So last week, we started a new sermon series called Road Signs for Relationships. And um, in the first week, we talked about the yield sign. I mean, let's be honest, who there's not many of us as drivers that really like to yield a lot while we're driving. But the, but the, ro- the, the message last week was, was what it means to yield is, is basically it means to think of other people first. That, that, that we need to have the attitude that Christ had on this earth. I mean, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to call ourselves followers of His, of His teaching, His way, then, then we probably need to live His way on this earth. And, and of all the things, descriptions that we can have of Jesus, one of the things that the scripture says is that He was a person that put other people first. From beginning to end, He was thinking about other people. This week, we're talking about speed limits. To slow down and live. How many of you, let's, it's church, we confess at church, it's just part of it. How many of you are like me and then just like to go fast? Anybody? Anybody just says, you know what? I like, I like to go fast. You see a road sign, you see a speed limit sign, you think, you think of those more of like suggestions than actual laws. Anybody there with me? Yeah, I, I get in trouble for this from my wife. Look, I'm not even going to say that because I don't want to jinx. It's been a no, I'm not going to say it. Okay, yeah, don't say it. I'm just going to say this, is I like to go fast from time to time. And, and, and I, I, I kind of have one of those lead feet. And I try, I try to drive slow. And now there, and it's, it's very hit and miss for me. There's some days I drive like an old man and I'm just pooting along and no, in no hurry to go anywhere and just chilling and relaxing. And then there are other days you thought I was like in the Grand Prix. And, and the people are like, what is wrong with you? And I don't have an answer. What's wrong with me? If you were to ask, there's lots wrong with me. And this is just one of those issues. It's, it was really bad. It, even in college, I, Man, Alec, be better than me. Just be better than me. Because I think by the time I had my driver's license for two years, I had gotten like four or five speeding tickets. And my dad had tried everything short of ending my life to get me to slow down. It was that bad. When I was 22 years old, I was an intern for for my church. And uh, we were in the Kalagato Indian Reservation, which is somewhere in north northeast Arizona. Um, and uh, we were doing a mission trip there during the week, and my youth pastor thought it was a really good idea to give his 22-year-old intern the keys to the church van and four of his buddies to go by themselves to work on this house. And we were there tearing down an old fence because they were going to come in and build a new one, and, and a guy showed us how to get there. And look, I couldn't, the directions I'm, I'm terrible with, especially when I was 22, and we were probably 50 miles away from where we were staying at, out in the middle of nowhere on this Indian reservation. And nobody came to show us how to get back that evening to where we were staying at, at the, at the church we were staying. And, and we didn't have cell phones. I mean, when I was in college, cell phones were kind of a luxury. Most people still had like the car phones in the bag. Anybody have a bag phone? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we didn't have cell phones. And, um, and, and let's just say that by the time that we got the courage to try to drive back, we were feeling very free. And we treated the Kalagato highways like the Autobahn in Germany. And I discovered on that trip that our church van has a governor that said at 110 miles an hour. It's lucky we lived. Now, I'm not suggesting to anybody to drive that fast, but what I am saying is this, is that driving fast 
is dangerous. Anybody want to agree with me in that? Driving, it is, unless you're on a racetrack, driving fast is it's still dangerous then. It's not a great idea. I had a professor, and I remember it was at that same time I was in college at a Christian university. We called him Yoda. He was our Old Testament professor in Dr. Shelton. And he was, I don't know how old he was. He was probably in his late 70s, early 80s. But he literally looked like Yoda. Just very small and just like wisdom out the, the ears and the smartest man I know. And he used to, I don't even think he was joking, but he would always, he was like every class I had him in, at some point during the class, he would say, now you young kids, y'all drive way too fast. You know that Jesus gets out of the car when you go over the speed limit. And that was his, that was his reminder. When you go over the speed limit, Jesus gets out. Driving fast is not very safe. That's why we have limits. They're there for a reason. It's the same thing in our relationships. It's the same in our relationships. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Sometimes in relationships with other people, we get going faster than what we ought to on a lot of different levels. And, And I'm hoping that today's message will just give you some practical advice, practical tips, practical things that might help you to slow down or might make you think about slowing down a little bit in the future. Proverbs, he says it this way, the writer of Proverbs, he says, the wise are cautious and avoid danger. But who? Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. What what can we do in our relationships or what might they look like if we would just slow down a little bit? What safeguards could we set up to help us to go just a little bit slower. Here's a couple things for you today. The first one is this, is to pay attention to what your heart is saying. Pay attention to what your... Now, for some of you, this truth might be a little bit confusing. The reason why is because I think two people can basically be like separated in two different types of people. Some people are head people, and head people are like data and analyzing information. And then we have kind of heart people, feeling people that, that operate more out of our hearts than our heads. Let's just do, let's just do this. By raising your hand, how many of you would say that you're primarily a head person? Data, facts, figures, you kind of rely on those things to make decisions. There's a few of you. Now, how many of you are like me and you're more of a heart person? Any heart people in here? Yeah, we're the more Christian of the people in the room. I'm just kidding. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Yeah, it's the head and the heart. And, and, and for heart people, it's just simply true that, that we have a tendency sometimes to know things before head people can figure it out because sometimes our heart speaks louder than our head. We have instincts. Some people have instincts that they begin to pick up on things quicker than, than, than what our head can figure it out. I put this in your notes. It's something you need to hold on to. Not every instinct is accurate. Let's just be honest. Sometimes our instincts aren't right. But every instinct needs to be listened to. It needs to be thought about. It needs to be heeded. Does that make sense? Malcolm Gladwell, anybody familiar with that name? He's an author. Um, he wrote a book called Blink. And the, mo- the, the book Blink is about how our brains are wired up. And there's one part in the book where he's talking about how 
our brains can process information so quickly and come to a conclusion so fast, sometimes we act and move and make decisions on things before we realize that we're actually doing it because our brains are so quick on making and processing information. And sometimes in the process of relationships, we begin to pick up signals about people or flags or information, however you want to call it. We begin to get a sense about a person before we even know that we're thinking about that. Has anybody ever been there before? You get that vibe, you get that thought, you get that feeling. Before you've even made a a conscious decision about it, you just know that something is happening in this relationship. Here's just two things I want you to think about that in this point. The first one is this, is that your brain is constantly processing information about your surroundings, about the places that you've been, the things that you've experienced, your past, your relationships, and all the stuff that's happened in your past. And it's beginning to send you signals in, in, in that you're processing, and you need to pay attention to that. Here's a second thought. You need to listen to this very carefully. Is sometimes, sometimes God whispers to us. Sometimes God whispers Ladies, how many of you would have appreciated at some point if God would have held up a sign that said, this guy's a jerk? Just really loud and clear. This person's a jerk. Stay away from this person. I mean, that would be helpful if God would do that sometimes. But he doesn't always. Sometimes sometimes God whispers. Sometimes we have to read between the lines to pick up stuff that's happening around us. I heard this story from a friend of mine back in Oklahoma City. He said this woman was talking about this idea of intuition. And she said her husband was entering into this business deal uh, with an old friend that he had recently got reconnected to. And uh, she said that when she met them for dinner, that the couples went together for dinner, she said she sat there across from him, and there was something that just seemed off. Has anybody ever had one of those off moments? You just sit there and you're like, there's just something off about this. And she said she couldn't really put a finger on it, but but there was something that just didn't feel right. We felt that before. She said as she got to know him a little bit, whenever he would say something, sometimes whatever he said just didn't quite add up. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And so she said at one point she finally mentioned this to her husband, and she said her husband got really defensive. And she said, you know, I, this is an old friend. I know I haven't been around him in a long time, but he's someone that's dear to me. And, um, and, and, I, and he still wanted to do this business deal that the two of them were talking about. So he did it. He got into the business deal against her judgment. He went ahead and, uh, and did this investment in this man. Now, every woman in, the, in this room knows what happened next, Right? The business deal didn't take off. Um, the guy skipped town, and it cost their family right at $2 million. Not 2000 $2 million. When the husband finally corralled the courage to talk to his wife about what had happened, he said, he said I wanted this to work so bad that I went ahead anyway. Now, camp on that thought for a second. I wanted this to happen so bad that I went ahead anyway. He said, you weren't the only person that told me that I needed to slow down, but I wanted it to happen so bad. And here's the thing is that sometimes we want an end result to happen so bad 
that we go along anyways. Sometimes we want a business to work so bad. Sometimes we want an investment to come through so bad. Sometimes we want a friendship to grow so bad that we get these signals and we ignore them because we want it to work so bad. We want this hap- this relationship, this intimacy to develop between two people that we're dating or a rom- romantic relationship. We want to be loved so bad that sometimes we ignore the things that we need to pay attention to. The first point is this. It's just a simple truth. Is that you, you need to pay attention to what your heart is saying. Amen? Here's a second thought. Is that you need to be selective about personal sharing. You need to be selective about personal. Now, some of this is going to hurt for some of us. And I say us because it's for me. My wife's giving me the eyeball right now. (laughs) Some of us are private, right? And they don't say much to anyone. And then there are some of us that live life way out here that whatever happens in the home ends up being a sermon illustration. Anybody there with me? Yeah, some of us just tell it all. And sometimes telling it all isn't always a good thing. Right, honey? Yeah. (laughs) Here's what we need to know. Are you ready? Say this after me. Not everyone cares. Yeah. Here's a second thought. This one's even more important. Say this after me. Not everyone is safe. Yeah, let that truth sink in. That not everyone cares, but more importantly, not everyone is safe. You might want to write those two truths on your notes somewhere. Sometimes we disclose things to people that we really shouldn't disclose. Have you ever been around one of those classic oversharers? That like they're they're the people that when you go to a restaurant with somebody and the waitress says, Hey, how are you doing today? They literally think that she cares and they begin to tell whatever's happening in their life to that waitress and her eyes get like this big around and her jaw drops and she's just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't need to know. I was just trying to be nice. Anybody ever been in one of those situations before? And you look at him, you just like, hey. Can you just just put their hands over their mouths and just say, hey, she's just trying to be nice. Will you just chill for a second? I have a friend who cuts hair, and she's telling me that, that, that there are some people that come in that just don't have much of a filter. And when her and her coworkers are cutting hair, they're telling everything about what's happening in their marriages, in their families, in their businesses. And she says, she sits there and she's just like, I don't need to know this. And not only do I not need to know this, I don't want to know this. I just want to cut your hair and do a good job. There is just some people that are like that. But here's the truth that we have to hold on to is not, not everybody is safe. Not everybody's safe. Listen, every one of us needs some people in our lives that we can confide in and bear our hearts to. We all need that. That's just the truth of how we're made. Amen? We all need that. But not everyone is that. Not every person in your life is safe enough to be that person. Some people just aren't going to guard your personal information very well. How many of you have ever told something to someone in confidence and you found out later it wasn't in confidence? They just told too many people. Yeah, not everyone is going to think 
that what you share is sacred. And you need to be careful with that. You need to know that. Because when they share your sacred things, it brings great pain to our lives. Sometimes we need to slow down in our relationships. There's a great story about Jesus. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about Jesus' last days on earth. And, and, and there's a fascinating story about Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane on his last night um, before he's crucified. And the scripture says that, that he, was, he was brought to a place of just being overwhelmed in what he was about to go through on the cross. And listen to what happens. Look in your notes. This is in Mark chapter 14. It says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He's talking to his disciples. And then he took who? Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told who? Them. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now he only said this to three of the twelve. Now listen, Jesus was surrounded by thousands of people at different times in his life, in his teaching ministry. Thousands of people around him. And he didn't share this information with everybody. Jesus had hundreds of people that followed him everywhere and that followed him a good bit and he didn't give them this information. He had 12 people that literally lived their daily lives with Jesus for three years. And he didn't tell all of them. How many did he tell? Three. He told three. He brought three a little bit deeper. He brought three a little bit closer. And he opened up his heart to those three. I think that matters. I think that means something. Not everyone is safe. Not everyone cares. We need to be protective of what we share, our personal sharing. If you want to really enjoy your life, be careful. Here's a third thought. This one, this one stings a little bit for me. Is that you need to think before you commit. Think before you commit. Last year, or maybe it was two years ago, there was a a scam going on. Maybe you heard about it or, or saw the warnings on, on the internet. There's a scam going on where somebody would call you from some unknown number. And the first thing they would say to you is, can you hear me? Because when someone answers, asks the question, can you hear me? What's your response? Yes. And they would have recorders going during that conversation and they would record you saying yes. And then they would proceed to scam you out of money and take that yes and use it um, against you to be able to, to get access to accounts or be able to sell you something or be able to threaten you at a later time. Anybody else heard about this scam that was going on about two years ago? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a big deal for a little while. And, and the idea is that they're trying to get you to say, or they try to get you to say yes so they can use it against you to get something from you. It's crazy. Here's what's even crazier. Is that when I think about my life, there's so many times that I have said yes so quickly that they don't even need to go through all the trouble. That's just the way I've lived my life. I'm one of those guys that really struggled with this early on in ministry. Let's confess here. Let's confess. How many of you have ever said yes to something and 10 seconds later you were thinking, oh man, what did I just get myself into? Yeah, yeah. And here's the truth. is That's a horrible feeling, isn't it? That's a sink down in your gut feeling. Not just 
Because you're like, oh man, I committed something I didn't need to commit to. But, but deep down you know that you're going to disappoint that other person because it may not be something that you can live up to. You just put chains on yourself. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Wise people do what? What's it say? Think before they act. We might need to say that again. Wise people, say it with me, think before they act. Here's the problem. Is I've not always been a wise person. I haven't. I'm I'm a classic codependent. And being a pastor, young pastor in ministry, codependency is not a recipe for success. Because deep down, you truly want to make people happy. And you want to please the people around you if you're codependent. And people ask you to do something and you say yes. Yes, I'll be glad to do that for you. Yes. And when they ask you to do it on a Sunday morning, and you say yes, yes, yes to all these different people who are asking you to do things, here's the problem, is that nine times out of the ten, I don't even remember what I'm saying yes to on Sundays. Because I'm focused on a sermon, I'm focused on people. You can ask me just about anything back in the day, and I would say yes. And I would completely forget before the end of the service what I'd say yes to. And it's not because I was... I was, I was trying to be deceptive. My heart was in the right place. I just didn't have the capacity to remember. Before Haley and I got married, my house that I lived in Oklahoma City was like a halfway house. I couldn't tell you how many different college people I had living in my house at different times. And let me tell you, college guys are a disgusting breed for the most part. And it was nasty, and rooms smelled like feet and funk, and it was just gross, but I didn't know how to say no. Parents would say, hey, I want you to mentor my kid. Could you meet with them on a weekly basis and, or a couple times a week and then come in and you just talk about Jesus and get to know them? And, and I, would say, well, I was a youth pastor, so I would say, yes, I would love to do that without even asking, first of all, does that kid really want to be mentored? And do I have the ability or the time or the connection to be able to do that with this person? And my good intentions would go bad. And the kid wouldn't come or I wouldn't meet with them. And the next thing you know, parents are upset. And it's all because I said yes before I really thought it through. Loaning money. Becoming, I had a truck. So I was like everybody's personal mover. You know, can you bring a couple kids over and move this and move that? Yeah, sure. Yes, yes, yes. I had really good intentions. And when I didn't follow through, guess what I felt? Shame. Guilt. We say yes before we think it through. Can I teach you a phrase this morning that can really save your life? Are you ready? The phrase is this. Let me process that. Just try that for a second. Let me process that. Say it one more time. I want to see all lips moving because it's really important to you. Let me process that. Let me process that. Would would you help by serving in this ministry? All together. Let me let me process that. Will you will you come to come to my house and, and help me move my piano? Let me process. Let me process. All the ladies are like, I didn't mean this because I was pointing at you. Because I actually did that for Bill, and I don't mind. That was actually a fun day. I don't know why I did that. I just constantly thought of piano when I looked at you. There's nothing personal. Here's, a, here's another question. 
Can, are you ready? Can I borrow some money? No. That's when you say no. We're going to talk about that in just a second. No. You get it, right? Think. Let's come back to it. Let's come back to it. Think before you commit. Think before you commit. It'll save your life. And it'll save your heart and it'll save your relationships. Here's a, here's a fourth thing. Is that before you involve yourself financially, make sure you've done your homework. On them and also on you. There's a great story about a church secretary. She was on vacation. She was soaking up the sun on the beach and a little boy walked up to her and said, Man, do you believe in God? Kind of startled her and she was like, Well, well, yeah, I must look really godly sitting on this beach. Yes, yes, I believe in God with all my heart. The boy said, okay, do you go to church? She said, yes, every single Sunday. They said, do you read your Bible? Every day, little man. The boy smiled and reached his hand into his pocket. He pulled out a quarter. He said, will you hold on to this for me while I go swim? She chuckled. She chuckled. He ran off to go play. It's a smart boy, right? He did his homework. And here's the thing is that he did more research on her than what many of us do on the people around us before we put our money in someone else's hands. How many of you have ever given money or invested in something and have been burnt along the way? Anybody? Yep. Here's the thing that you have to come to understand is you have to be think thoughtful about this. Look, I may not be your pastor for very long because I'm about to be a rich man. I got an email this week saying that there is a prince in Nigeria. I'm not joking. And if I would give him access to my bank account, he will deposit $85 million into it to safe keep. And then I get to keep 10% of it once he gets to America and gets it out because he's trying to get it out of the country. Now, how many of you have ever gotten that email before? Yeah. Or sometimes it's a person in Europe. Sometimes it's a large group of, you know, whatever. We all get it. We all get it. We all get that stuff, you know, invest in this, 100% guaranteed, 100% increase on your investment, right? My mom and dad told me as a kid that if it sounds too good to be true, it is. It is. It is. On a more personal level, if you put this truth into practice, it will help you. I'm just going to tell you this simple truth. Stop loaning money. Don't loan money. If you're going to give money to someone, give it. Give it. Don't loan it. Give it. When you loan someone money and you're expecting to get it back, and you know what? Life happens, right? When what happens, happens, and then they can't pay you back, what happens between them and you? Even if you don't do anything particularly to them or say anything to them, they start to feel shame and guilt when they can't pay back what they owe. And what happens when someone feels shame about owing you money? They start to stay away a little bit. And you begin to think, man, something must have happened. It's between us. And it's and, and the truth is, it's really the shame and the guilt that they're feeling. And it has nothing to do with the two of you. And all of a sudden, a wall is placed between the two of you. Yeah, well, that's, that's not your fault. 
Has that ever happened to anyone in this room? And here's the deal. Haley and I made this decision after we got married, and I was letting too many people borrow money for too many different things. We made a decision that if we were ever going to give money to someone, we're going to give it. We're not going to let someone borrow money. That we're going to give it to them as a gift. And if God puts it on their heart to give it back at some point in their life and at some time, that's great. But when we give it, we give it with no expectations because we don't want the wall to come between us, that relationship. We don't want that relationship that God has entrusted to us to be ruined by something so trivial as money. And so we don't loan money. We give it. If we have it. (laughs) And sometimes we don't. Proverbs 11.15 says this, Be sure you know a person well before you vouch for his credit. Better refuse than to suffer later. Here's the last thought. Is that the more that's at stake, the more time you should take. On the front of your outline, I think I put four different relationship types. Did I do that on your outline? The first one's casual relations and connections. And that's your neighbors or people that you work with or your classmates. or it's, it's the people that you know their name and a few things about them, right? There's a deeper level, and that's friendships. It's the people you hang out with, the people you talk to and you go to movies with, and you, you may go hunting with or fishing. They, they, they know a little bit about, more about you, and you know a little bit more about them, and it's the people that you do life with. And then there's a deeper level called a partnership. And in a partnership, you... That's when you have some skin in the game. That's when it's, it's, it's either business or it's a deep friendship and you're investing in each other, they and you, you and them, and there's a contractual agreement and each of you have expectations about the other person. And then the deepest level of relationship is an intimate relationship. Now we're talking about marriage. Now we're talking about connecting with people on a soul-to-soul level. And here's what I want you to get. If you don't get anything else today, get this. The deeper you go, the more you have to know. The deeper you go, the more you have to know. Does this make sense to you? Look, my casual connections, I don't, I don't have to know a lot about them. I really don't. I can, I can be nice to anybody. That's just me. But friends, friends I do need to know a little bit more about who I spend my, my close time with, I do need. If I'm going to be going as a teenager, as a kid, um, I, I remember going into a grocery store. I'm talking to just as a little kid. And a friend of mine um, stole some baseball cards while we were in there. And I walked out and I thought, when he showed me what he took, I thought, I will never go into a store with this kid again. Because if he would have got caught, guess who would have gotten in trouble right along with him? The two of us, Right? And so the deeper the friendship we have with somebody, the more that we do with the person, the more we need to know about them. And if I have a partnership with them, then I definitely need to know more about them. Because I have a commitment to them. And I need to know more. And if I'm going to have a deep relationship with this person, really connect soul to soul, to give the best of who I am to this person, I really need to know them. I really need to know who they are on a deep, intimate level. Here's three things that I want you to know about this. The first one is that you have to take time to know them. Put, take time to get to know them. There are a lot of people who look good on the first date. Amen? You remember the first date? 
You can look good for the first date. Usually the first date, the guy dresses in his best and has the cologne on and Rico Suave. I used to tell kids in my youth group, I used to tell kids in my youth group, like first dates are like the most ridiculous thing that you'll ever go on because the person that you're going on that date with is really not them nine times out of ten. It's their best version of them, right? And it's, it's taking time when you really get to know that person. Because after that first date, it just it's all downhill from there. Well, for, for some, for, for her, yeah. Here's the second. Not everyone is as they seem to be. They're not. You have to take time to get to know their values and where they are with God. Here's the second thing. is You need to take time to consult others. I can tell you anything I want. But other people may give you a different view of me. That's why on resumes... You know, people put, um, you know, uh, what's it called? References for you to call. You know, sometimes if you know this person personally or, or you know the circles they run in, sometimes it's good to call people that's not on their resume. And say, okay, because these are the people that they know are going to say really good things about them. But what do other people say? If you're entering into a relationship with somebody and other people are saying negative things about them, you need to pay attention to it. Now, you don't always follow it because sometimes people are just mean jerks and say negative things about people. But you need, but you do need to listen. You need to pay attention. You need to consult people around you. Here's the third thing. You need to take time to pray. Look, God loves you more than you can imagine. And he created relationships. And God, more than anyone, wants what's best for you. If a relationship is worth having, then this is a relationship worth praying about. And sometimes if we miss the wisdom of God, we're going to miss something really big. There's a great story in the book of Joshua. Sarah, you can come up with the worship team. There's a really a great story in the book of Joshua where these Gibeonites came to Joshua and they're wanting to enter into a peace treaty with the people of God. Because the people of God are just like, hey, they're taking, they're taking land and they're, they're going into the to the country, you know, just claiming the land that God promised them. And these Gibeonites came to, to the Israelites and said, hey, I'm the people of God, hey, we're from a long way off. You don't have to worry about us. We're nowhere near you. We, we want to be your allies. Will you ally with us? Listen to what the scripture says. It's in your notes. Joshua 9, 14 and 15. It says, so, so the Israelites examined their food, but they did what? Not consult the Lord. It says, then Joshua made a peace treaty with them. And guess what happened? Came back to haunt them. Why? Because they didn't take time to pray. They didn't take time to talk with God. And sometimes we enter into personal relationships with people. And I mean dating relationships and marriage relationships and long-term relationships without ever really talking to God about what he thinks about the situation. Listen, God wants you to find someone that loves you the way he loves you. It's true. And God wants you to find someone that watches over you the way he watches over you. Amen. And he wants somebody who's committed to you the way he is committed to you. Slow down. Slow down and live. 